everybody. To shake it and to stir it. A new true crime podcast yeah, brought to you. We can't pull it off like, uh, you know. <laughs> Wait, John, did you ever see Tales from the Crypt? Uh, loved Tales from the Crypt. That's what I feel like our intro guy should be. Uh. Like that Tales from the Crypt. That's like a Yoda Tales from the Crypt, but it's an attempt to do that. Wait a minute. Wait this a minute. This is as good a time as any to say welcome Megan as well. Yes, so. welcome Megan and we will get yes. to Megan, but we cannot s- we cannot simply gloss over your no, tales from can. the crypt. No, we can gloss. Impression. We, we got to get to the case. Think, but it was right? so funny. <laughs> you have to say to tales from the crib. Can you do that? But can no, you do that? But I'm say shaken and disturbed. Well, don't do shaken and disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Who knew yeah. you had all these talents, Darren? I'm yeah, so, so impressed. Weird. Megan just hung up on us. I, I know. Megan's like, I'm done with the show. Not. Are, uh, are you kidding me? I want yeah. you to read me a bedtime story <laughs> in that voice. Can I Actually, call Darren's like going to do the whole show like that, guys. Okay, I would kill you all. My voice would be, even now, I feel like John, like having to uh, oh my God. clear my throat every once in a while. I but know, welcome I to Shaken and Disturbed. Oh everyone. my God, Lord. I'm obsessed with this. Uh, we are excited because uh, for the, Megan's not only our only guest that we could ever have on the show. <laughs> right. right, Sean? Like, I mean, That's after right. this, she probably will be. She may want to, s- yeah, she'll want to leave after this episode. Already, and no but... one will want to come on to hear my voice yeah. do that. But in we're case not even do, two minutes in. Yeah. In case, you know, this is my skill. It's my, it's my lot in life. <laughs> uh, it's a blessing and a curse, but for the first time ever, now you out there can apply to be a guest on our show yes. too, which is very subs- very exciting. Very exciting. Oh right, my John? God. It's, that's it. I'm done. That's, that's it. it. That's the last that's one. I've, Save I've it for it Cameo, for Patreon, live mm. shows, whatever it is. You're right. Be. I got it out of my system now. Yeah, you yeah. got it but out. But how, how can they apply to be a guest on our show? Well, by the way, Darren, we posted a, a photo this week of us being mom and dad throwing Would we call our that children. A photo? Would we call that a photo? It's a home photo. Yeah, it was taken in our home. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a Polaroid, actually. That was, like, yeah. back in the day. That was years ago. Ten- years ago. That. You had long years hair. Ago. I had Years a, ago. My forehead was like a cliff for some that reason. That was back in the day when I was mom and you were dead. <laughs> That's right. It was a, di- it was a different time. Different period, time. Guys. Different politics, Megan, did you happen to catch yeah. the brilliant artwork of John Thrasher with that one? <laughs> Absolutely. I commented on Instagram. That's right. And, yeah, she asked did. how I could get involved. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I Megan's think Megan... In. Yeah, Megan's in. Uh, what that means, we don't know. But That's uh, right. But yeah, if they, you guys listening want to come be a guest on our show and talk with us about murder or literally whatever you want, um, Patreon supporters who pledge at the super fan level will receive a link to sign up and be a guest on our show. I know we've already gotten many applications, which is very exciting. Yeah. And yeah, we're just excited to maybe have a drink with you on the show. I mean, obviously, it, it'll stay remote for now, but... Hopefully this year, maybe things will open back up and we can do an in-person recording. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. Yeah. We can have a drink or not have a drink. We can Whatever talk or not yeah. talk. It's it's your it's your time with us. It's totally up to yeah. you guys. Absolutely. But speaking of drinking, um, are we imbibing this week? John, what are you drinking? Well, I am imbibing, but I will tell you I'm imbibing with coffee and Baileys again. And I just want everyone to know something. You know, I'm not just over here drinking 
you know, just a regular coffee. I'm spicing it up, even if it is with just Bailey's, for the show. So I just want people to know, like, it's it's alcoholic because I will drink an alcoholic beverage. It's not me just, you know, whimpering out over here in Maryland. So I just want everyone to know it's a little spicy. Spicy. Sure. Spice Girls. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, Megan, what are you drinking? Well, it was such a nice day today. Uh, I went with something a little girly i'm doing malibu and orange Ooh, Ooh that sounds I yummy love that it's good malibu is rum right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's coconut that, rum. yeah that's that was like the first thing. i was gonna say that was like that's like your first intro it's like papa vodka you know some shitty tequila <laughs> and definitely some malibu rum absolutely what um, are you having well, it, it is a beautiful day, so this is kind of a different drink for me considering, but I haven't gone outside yet today because I've been back to back, but our mm-hmm. case today uh, centers around Kentucky and Louisville. Yeah. I love saying Louisville. Uh, yeah. So I am, I'm actually having some makers on the rocks today. Oh, look at you. You just had it handy? That's great. I did have it handy. <laughs> I have a... I have a uh, you know, back in the day when there used to be office gifts, I got a lot of alcohol in my day, so <laughs> I don't too. drink enough to have drunk it all, and so I get to, uh, to do this. But let's get into this week's case now we have our yeah. drinks in hands, and uh, cheers to you guys. I'm cheers, everyone. Here. Cheers. Take a mm. quick sip. I miss... It's very um, good. Yeah, go ahead. I miss the clinking, too. I, miss I was just going to say, I miss the clinking. clinking together. We'll do it soon, you guys. We'll do it soon. Um, but I want to start off this week's case because it's it's a very good one. And Megan actually uh, picked this case. So we got to give yeah. all the credit to her. But it is about satanic panic. And before we kind of get into the details, I think it's kind of important to talk about satanic what it panic, is. what yeah. it is, a la maybe a little reefer madness going on. Um, you know, <laughs> there's panics all around for maybe no good reason. But Megan, why don't you tell us a little bit about satanic panic, just so we're all on the same page with it? Yes. By the way, Megan, our resident taxidermist, tell us all about Correct. satanic <laughs> panic, please. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. So very briefly, uh, yeah. it is really similar to like reefer madness of the 50s in that a lot of people just got very very worked up over this macguffin thing that ended up being nothing mm-hmm. uh, in the very late 60s anton lavey wrote the satanic bible but satanic panic didn't really start to become uh like a thing in society until mm-hmm. after dungeons and dragons was created in the mid 70s <laughs> Dungeons I didn't even and Dragons know that. is that old too? Wow! Yeah, seventy four. Crazy. It, it was made so these kids like started playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm sure most people know what that is. It's a role playing game where you make a character and you can be like an elf or a wizard or whatever the fuck you want. Check out Stranger and... Things if nothing else. Yeah, it's John, this sounds game. right up your alley. It really is. It really yeah. is. But a lot of people. Uh, because the characters that you could make in Dungeons and Dragons do like spells and things. Right. People Sorcery, if you will. To witchcraft and promoting witchcraft, promoting devil worship, promoting the occult, all of this. It became a big thing <laughs> with a lot of religious organizations. Um, and it, it started to kind of freak people out. Right. Yeah. For no reason. It's a very tame, it's a very dweeby game. I love Dungeons and Dragons. Um, <laughs> I had a feeling we were going to get there with Megan. She's a secret Dungeons and Dragons fan. Yeah. 
Oh, it's not a secret. <laughs> not a secret. Well, welcome, welcome to the moment then. And how does like SRA satanic ritual abuse, I believe that's what it stands Connect, for, kind of yeah. play mm-hmm. into this satanic panic that was going on at the time? So after D and D sort of became ubiquitous in like society, yeah, um, <laughs> people started to to get a little scared of it, a little jiggity. There was a psychiatrist named Lawrence Pazder who wrote yeah. a book called Michelle Remembers in the 80s where he spoke to this grown woman who uh, did like traumatic uh, memory recovery sessions where mm-hmm. she like supposedly unearthed all of these memories about her parents locking her in a cage and practicing satanic devil worship and doing all this occult stuff that Mm. ended up in child abuse which is not great there's no evidence that any of these things actually happened she never reported it to the authorities even after she recovered these memories um but this psychiatrist that she worked with pazdar wrote a book about her recovery of these memories he coined the term satanic ritual abuse to Mm. describe what she claimed happened to her he married her later which is real sketchy Mm. Uh. and like as far as i remember at least from what i can call even cases that we've covered over the years like and and maybe west memphis three is the one i'm kind of thinking of here Mm -hmm. where they they use that as like the default excuse of like kind of why these people were guilty like they were engaging in satanic rituals and so this kind of Mm. was the scapegoat for a lot of i was just gonna say that yeah murders am i kind of correct about that yeah absolutely people uh started learning about this the news started doing reports on it uh just as like a a scary thing for parents to be aware of and parents would speak to their young young children who were in daycare or staying with babysitters some of them were like two years old young like two wow wow um and they would question them about what's going on at your daycare in a way that Mm-hmm. got these children to like quote unquote admit that things were happening the daycare providers were doing occult rituals with the children there a lot of people got arrested a lot of people were incarcerated wrongfully yeah a lot of people got their lives ruined because none of this was was true it was a self-perpetuating sort of thing where yeah. parents would ask their young kids and the young kids would give answers that their parents wanted to hear because that's what kids do. Because that's what kids do, yeah. exactly. This is kind of reminding me of the movie The Exorcist uh, a little bit or how people <laughs> Definitely. view, like, you know, engaging in, in cult satanic stuff. But yeah. SRA was ne- was completely debunked. I mean, it's not a thing, really. I mean, yeah. yes, it's a, sta- it's, a, it's a definition of something, but it doesn't really exist. Right. Um, in 94, there was a... a whole team of psychologists one particularly gail goodman um from the university of california who did a whole study she went through like twelve thousand of these reports and and legal cases in different stages whether they were reports or they had gone all the way like through to court cases where decisions had been made and she found zero evidence not one wow shred wow that any of these people had engaged in any sort of occultism or satanic worship or anything. It was all nothing. (laughs) Like, Geraldo Rivera went on TV in the 90s and, like, fully apologized for having been part of, like, 
this perpetuating this ridiculous wow <laughs> well and to some extent i think it, it even goes you know these things happen all the time and i think what it really boils down to and and i'm sure megan you've experienced this in your own way but john and i because we're both gay uh or uh, you know have experienced at least when i know from john and, and megan you can chime in here it's like people just fear what they don't know and certainly back then oh, like, yeah. it's just a fear of that um there's no real evidence behind it. It's not like, you know, even let's say the AIDS crisis, for example, you know, people thought like yeah. you hung out in the room with a gay person and you were going to get AIDS. So it was just a lot of like fear of not knowing and being scared, like goth kids dressing up and parents like freaking out, right? Not nearly knowing how to handle it, if you will. Yeah. And you know what, Megan, I'm, we're so glad to have you on for this episode because this You're whole episode. Yeah, oh. because you're Satan, and we're happy <laughs> that, to have Satan on the show. Did we show. bury the lead there? Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but feel free to chime in, you know, like as we are discussing today's show, like if you have additional information, it sounds like you're very familiar with this stuff. And for the record, Megan did produce today's show, so she's very familiar with the content today. She um, is. And let me just say, because I told Megan I'd say my goth story is that oh, yes. when I was in camp, when I was like seven years old, my first time at sleepaway camp maybe i was yeah. eight i don't know um i was like i told my parents because i had a roommate and like i was at sleepaway camp i was like i don't want a goth like i freaked <laughs> out <laughs> i freaked out so maybe i yeah. too was part of this satanic yes. panic in a lot of ways it's just funny because now like i dress in all black and i totally identify uh, yeah. with so many things so it's very ironic but uh yeah i i, I was like <laughs> mom dad i don't want to live with a goth for three of weeks all like, things. In, of, of all, all things. things so there you go I, I maybe i contributed in my own way but uh and one more thing yeah yeah no that's that's very funny another thing too just contributing a little bit to what megan was just mentioning it's like you know remember the time frame i feel like we have to really remember this like our case today was the early 90s. This stuff was sort of blossoming through the 70s and 80s. And so, you know, the only place people would hear any news was on the television or the radio. There wasn't right. internet. There wasn't Snapchat. There weren't corporations. There weren't foundations and organizations out there kind of as available resources to educate yourself on this stuff. So, you know, like if the news was saying that there's satanic ritual abuse, then that's what people believed. And I think yeah, it's important it, to remember. And it's also important to clarify, and you guys can go further because I want to get into the case, but basically yeah. like Satanism, if people say even to this day Satanism and Megan, please feel free to correct me, but it's not really like people who worship Satan as like a religion, as their God. In fact, a lot of Satanists are actually atheists. Um, it's sort of this own personal stance kind of against maybe organized religion. Do I have, I'm not saying every Satanist is like that, but am I kind of right about that, Megan? It's not. It's not every single Satanist is like believing that Satan is God or anything like that. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not a Satanist myself. I don't practice anything. Um, but if you go online, if you go to their website to find out more information about their, their practices and their beliefs, mm -hmm. it's very much based in uh, common sense. Think for yourself. Use right. The scientific information that we have in the world to shape your beliefs and make sure that you're open to changing as new information is right. presented, right? It's very logical 
Well, let's start it. Let's get into the details. On April 1st, 1992, around 7.30 p.m., 19-year-old Rhonda Warford returned home from a grocery store parking lot near her home in Louisville, Kentucky, where she and her friends often hung out. And I want to say I'm very proud I can say Louisville the right way. Yeah, Louisville. Louisville. Um, She mentioned to her mother that she'd been accosted by a strange man as she was leaving, telling her that he wanted to marry her, Um, which is awkward and uncomfortable to begin with. It's called being a woman near any strange man, but yes. Sadly, that's true. So around midnight, Rhonda left her home again, and although her family members believed uh, she'd been going back to the parking lot to rejoin her friends, she never came home. Tragically, Rhonda's body was found three days later, 50 miles away in Meade County, Kentucky. Um, so right off the top of the of the show here, this is very disturbing. You know, we're getting right to the meat of this sad story. Yeah. Um, the medical examiner stated that Rhonda had been involved in a close, violent struggle, resulting in her death from multiple stab wounds, one of which severed oh. her brain stem and another which pierced her lung. So oh this is God. a very grisly kind of uh, description right away. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know during the last year it's been even harder to keep myself focused. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Here's a testimonial for a counselor named Tiffany where the user says, My sessions with Tiffany have been productive and useful. She listens carefully without judgment and offers solutions. It allows you to really feel comfortable and open up. I'm excited for the growth that will come as I continue to work with her. Visit BetterHelp.com Shaken, that's Better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Shaken and Disturbed listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Shaken. Yeah, and your brainstem uh, is like, basically, if you went to the back of your head and like wiped down the head, like back of your neck, kind of, like that's yeah. the brainstem. It's the stem of your brain. It's not rocket science, but for anyone that's kind of wondering what it is, it's... I mean, to think about her brainstem being severed is yeah. just fucking gruesome. So, And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, um, we do have a neuroscience major on the staff. Yeah. So that's yeah, why that's right. Darren knows this. Megan's Satan, and I'm basically a neuroscientist <laughs> doctor. You got and the I, whole gamut here. And, then and I just, <laughs> and I contribute nothing. Let's be yes, correct. Yes, correct. I do all the technical stuff. That's my contribution here on the show. Anyway, she had defensive wounds on her hands, which had been placed in 
inside plastic bags after oh. her death. A lot of like gruesome details. The medical examiner also noticed that the victim had an inverted cross tattoo below her left collarbone. Now, Megan, let's come to you for a second. Does this mean anything? An inverted cross tattoo? Does that have something to do with the Satanistic type of stuff? I mean, not officially. Okay. But we all. But people would take it as such. I I, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I was thinking. Common use of what that means. I feel Mm -hmm. like is not Christian. (laughs) Yeah. No. Exactly. And by the way, I'm like I'm so ignorant to Satanism and any of this type of stuff. So I'm very open to hearing that. That's why I was curious what Megan thinks. And actually, Darren, you sound like you you know a good bit about. I try. What this is. Yeah, you try yeah. to be a Satanist. It's fine. Yeah. Well, during the autopsy, the evidence collected included human hairs that were found on Rhonda's hands and sweatpa- uh, sweatpants. At the time of her death, Rhonda had been dating Gar Keith Harden, who goes by Keith, for about five months. And he was 22 at the time of the murder and later became one of the defendants in the case. He was close friends with Jeffrey Clark, 21, who became the second defendant. Keith and Jeffrey were friends with Rhonda and her sister Michelle. After her daughter's murder, her mother told authorities that she believed Rhonda, Michelle, Keith, and Jeffrey were all involved in Satanism. And it was at this time that Keith and Jeffrey became suspects. So this sort of tracks, I mean, uh, given the fact what we know, the fact that they were all involved in Satanism and at right. that time exactly becoming suspects is kind of exactly what Megan was talking about, where it just, it fits this narrative for them and therefore they must be bad people. Um, yeah. During, during their interview with Keith, police learned that Keith had last seen Rhonda three days before her disappearance on March 29th, 1992, when he'd spent the night at her home. He claimed that he'd been at his friend Jeffrey's house on the evening of April 1st, 1992, where they'd spent the night drinking beer and looking for Jeffrey's pet snake <laughs> that had gone missing, which let me tell is right you, up there with missing a tarantula for me. Like, let me tell you, let me not, tell you this. You know, if I could tell you how many sleepovers I went over and helped someone find their pet snake, <laughs> you'd over, be a whole over the hell years. of a lot richer, right? I'd have a lot of up. pet snakes. That's just right. kidding. That's Keep right. Going. Can I Sorry. just say, real quick, this was like the fact of this case that was heartbreaking. Yeah. (laughs) Just because these poor guys are 21 and 22. And what were they doing? They were at a sleepover (laughs) drinking beer and like derping around looking for a lost snake. That's like a cartoon. Such derps, derps, but in the best way. Like I love being a derp. Yeah, Megan makes a good point. Yeah. favorite thing but good po- yeah good i thought you were gonna be like the fact that the snake went missing went is missing tragic part <laughs> so thank god i wasn't sure where we were going with that but by the way no, if anyone out just, there needs me to help you uh find your pet snake you can hit me up at jay thrasher on yeah, instagram so. on twitter all right well slide do, into his dm yeah yes this, this is a calling card now i'm sure it's gonna be written on all the bathroom <laughs> walls um but jay thrasher the, pet snake finder during the interrogation <laughs> keith did admit to owning a knife Okay, well, oh, okay. I own many knives. I will say that uh, that I cook with. So I was technically, just say, I owning cook. a knife does not give any sort of detail to me. But when the authorities interviewed Jeffrey, he stated that he'd last seen Rhonda in December of 1991 and agreed that he'd been together with Keith from the evening of April 1st, 1992, through to the next day. He hmm. also denied owning a knife. Authorities determined that one of the hairs collected from Rhonda's sweatpants was similar to one of the samples collected from her boyfriend Keith 
Rhonda's mother claimed that she'd washed the sweatpants just prior to Rhonda wearing them on April 1st. But from this statement, the police concluded that Keith had lied about not seeing Rhonda on April 1st. Because otherwise, how would the hair have gotten on her sweatpants? And John and Megan, we've all talked about this before. I haven't seen John in the better part of a year. But in theory, his DNA could be in my apartment. Like it, 100%. It probably is. It probably is. Like hair, I mean, washing it, like, as we all know, as a female, like Mm -hmm. you cannot get rid of the hair that is in your apartment. (laughs) Like, And, you know, for what it's worth, like Darren, think about this. Like every time we would see each other, we would hug because we're huggers, the two of us. And my, I will say this, even my experience with like my, my facial hair, like when I go in to hug people, my facial hair always like combs like I've done this with you Darren like I'll hug you and then like your hair is combed through my beard as I pull Always. away from you yes. Yes. and like exactly. you know my facial hair can get stuck in people's like necklaces and even their clothes so I know this is such a it's such a weird thing it's like you wouldn't think that police and prosecutors it's so and circumstantial it's would like... know this yeah exactly well Police also found one of Rhonda's fingerprints on Jeffrey's car, which they concluded was inconsistent with Jeffrey's statement that he hadn't seen Rhonda since December of 1991. As we all know, guys, 21-year-olds keep completely spotlessly detailed cars and clean, right? I mean, you guys did that, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) Absolutely. Every week. Every week was on her car. It was... On the surface of the car. Exactly. She could have touched it any time. Exactly. And authorities obtained search warrants for Keith and Jeffrey's homes. Inside Keith's home, they found, quote, various occult-related items and documents. Knives were found inside both homes. And these items included a broken glass chalice, a blood-stained handkerchief. Okay, not really overly <laughs> detailed, but also could fit a narrative of something terrible that happened, but sure. easily could have not fit a narrative that something yeah. happened. You could easily break a glass and then wrap your hand in a handkerchief right. and, and also have that like, handkerchief be bloody. Like Right, exactly. And I think we'll get to the details of that, but and sorry to interrupt you, Darren. I kept I kept thinking you were pausing no, in no, your thoughts. But also like a chalice, like that makes it sound like a ritualistic piece of totally. dish. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not. Totally. Is it just a, a martini glass or is it a chalice? You know, right. that type and of stuff And even if matters. it is a chalice, like what? And who, like, yeah, what who fucking mean? cares? Yeah. You go to fucking TGI Fridays and get those double <laughs> drinks. They're going to put that in a chalice. I don't see anyone right. complaining about that. Let, um, let me drink and take a swig of my coffee and Bailey's out of my chalice really quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, upon further examination, the crime lab was unable to determine the origin of the blood. <clears throat> So unclear. So again, this doesn't really say anything. Which I find a little bit weird because it's like, well, whose blood is it then? And why weren't they able to determine that? I find that to be a little sus. Let me say this. It is the 90s. It's the early 90s. That's true. No, good. that's a great point. I'm I'm just like, we're not living in the the world of 23andMe and Ancestry.com DNA services. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wonder, did they find any um, tarot cards with cats on them, Darren, is what I'm curious. If that How was... could they not? Because yeah. that says one thing. That you says know? one thing. Evil and murderer. That's... Evil lurks here. And I That's think we right. need to keep a look As at As I your... look at my cat tarot cards. <laughs> your cat cute. tarot cards. Yes. Well, anyway, at trial, the prosecution claimed that the chalice was one that Keith used to drink the blood of the animals he sacrificed to Satan. Okay. Yeah, that tracks to me. 
This is what the prosecution is claiming. Keith testified that the blood on the cloth was his own and that he had actually cut himself on the broken glass of the cup, which, of course, makes sense. Both men were subsequently re-interviewed by Detective Mark Handy, who had a reputation for solving difficult cases by obtaining confessions. These interviews pertained heavily to the suspect's involvement in satanic worship. Detective Detective Handy... Um, which I won't be able to say without kind of giggling. Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest <laughs> with you. you. I'm in one of those moods. Claim that during these interviews, Keith admitted to being involved in Satanism, to having sacrificed animals, and to wanting to sacrifice a human. Okay, this hmm. is according to Detective Handy. Now, on May 5th, 1992, Keith and Jeffrey were both arrested and indicted on court uh, counts of first-degree murder. The men were jointly tried before a jury... The trial did not commence until February of 1995, so that's like three years later, basically, by which time another woman had testified under oath before a Meade County grand jury that a man named James Whitley had admitted to picking up Rhonda, driving her to Meade County, and murdering her during an argument. Now, this uh, this lead was never pursued by authorities, which I find very sus, during very the trial, very sus. During the trial, numerous witnesses gave testimony about Jeffrey and Keith's satanic worship. Hope Jaggers, Rhonda's best friend, in the years before her death, testified that she'd heard Rhonda tell Keith that she, Rhonda, was pregnant. To which she heard Keith reply, "Quote: If you are pregnant, I will kill you and that blank baby." End quote. The expletive is what is actually what the blank was. Right. Um, so Hope also claimed that she'd seen Rhonda cut her fingertips with a razor and rub the blood onto Keith. Now, when asked directly whether Keith or Jeffrey were involved in Satanism, she admitted she didn't know. That's just that's just such a weird mm-hmm. account. Um, For sure. Considering, I, I, I mean... It seems like if Rhonda was found dead, they would notice if her fingertips were cut off with a razor, and then that might also be a detail in the case, but that didn't seem that didn't yeah. seem to be mentioned. Let's face it, taking trips to the post office is probably not how you want to spend your time. That's why I recommend mailing and shipping online at stamps.com. Stamps.com allows you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, and pay a lot less with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller shipping out orders, or even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. With Stamps.com, you get discounts up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Not to mention Stamps.com is a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder nearly 1 million small businesses already use Stamps.com. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with my promo code SHAKEN, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in SHAKEN. That's Stamps.com, promo code SHAKEN. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again.
Well, during cross-examination, Hope mentioned that she and Rhonda would sometimes meet up and party with a man at the grocery store parking lot named James. Amy Paget, Jeffrey's ex-girlfriend, testified that Clark had once been involved with satanic worship, owned knives and guns, and had an inverted cross tattoo on his shoulder. Jeffrey later revealed his bare arms and chest to the jury to prove he had no such tattoos. Amy claimed that Jeffrey had told her he would like to try killing a person because it would be a challenge to see if he could get away with it. Again, things that's like... Why wouldn't you, if that was actually true, why wouldn't you kind of report that early on? Why yeah. is that just being said now to me? Right. Uh, um, but she said Jeffrey had explained to her how someone could be killed with a stab wound to the base of their skull. Remember Ugh. the brainstem that we talked about? And yeah. Amy also testified that Jeffrey had taken her to an area where she'd claimed to have made several animal sacrifices where he claimed excuse me and now it's worth noting that amy was later prosecuted for sexually abusing her child based on a report jeffrey made before his own trial according to a document from the university of michigan that's not to say that amy is necessarily lying here but i think it's sort Mm -hmm. of showing the type of maybe character profile that we want to present for amy and her testimony now sean mattingly another friend of jeffrey's testified that jeffrey always carried a knife with him that he referred to as his sacrificial knife this seems just too on the nose like i know it just seems too on the nose adding that Jeffrey had once sacrificed an animal in front of a church and that the report of the incident made its way to the local news. Yeah, like, I I agree with what you're saying. It's almost like every stereotype is sort of being hit here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, during the trial, Jeffrey denied ever being involved in occultism or Satanism. Um, Testimony was also given by Robert Thurman, the forensic analyst who had conducted the hair analysis. He stated that he'd examined two gray hairs found in Rhonda's hand and concluded that the hair had not come from either defendant Uh, nor the victim herself. Right. Okay. Gray hair probably doesn't line up with a couple of 20 year olds, 20 something. Hey, you never know, but still that does seem, that does seem less likely. No, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, speaking of gray hair and beards, like I'm getting more gray hair in my beard and I'm just not there yet. I'm just like, let me enjoy my youth. I just had to throw that out there. That's what you contribute to this case. Your gray hair. That's my connection is my gray beard hair. Yeah, exactly. Well, Thurman did state that one of the hairs found on Rhonda's sweatpants shared characteristics similar to a sample of Keith's hair, although he was not able to confirm that the two hairs were a match. Okay. I mean, a lot of hair is similar. Sure. Darren, you and I probably have similar hair if you just look at it, you know, like one strand of each of our hair. Right. Or even Megan and I, because she has longer hair. Like, right. Exactly. Like that that would play. Like you could just take like two strands of hair that are both brown and like, uh, you know, 10 inches and be like, all right, that's the same profile. That's the same thing. Yeah. By the way, Megan, what color is your hair these days? Because you always have fun hair. Oh, it's blonde. Blonde? Uh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Well, there you go. Now We wouldn't now, know because we've been trapped Megan's, inside for a year. Yeah. Megan's blonde hair would be more similar profile to John's gray hair, not mine. Exactly. Hair. Yes. Yeah. Just Good point. stating that again, just yeah, so we all know you. that John's old. No, okay, keep going. No, it's keep called keep going. being a forensic analyst and nurse. Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> well, a police technician testified to the fact that Rhonda's fingerprint had been found on Jeffrey's car, but admitted there was no way to determine whether the print was fresh. Again. I This is ridiculous. I mean, here's a great example. The other day I was helping um, one of my friends move groceries out of her car. Okay. 
Of course, I opened the trunk and now my fingerprints are on there. So if she goes and murders somebody, am I going to be like the, you know, the person that everyone thinks did it because my fingerprint was on the trunk from weeks ago? You know, it's just like I'm surprised that this is happening on such a professional level. Do you know what I mean? It's one thing like if it happens, you know, amateurly, but these are like professionals in the justice system. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm very like I'm, I think the coffee in the Bailey's is hitting me. I'm very He's riled. Um, I'm riled up. He's riled up. Anyway, finally, testimony was delivered by Clifford Caps, who'd been in the Meade County Jail with Jeffrey and Keith. Now, Clifford, who was an inmate, obviously, testified that after the two men were incarcerated, Keith had admitted to Rhonda's murder. Twice while giving his statement, Clifford commented that he wasn't being provided any benefits in exchange for his testimony. Because this is a thing that happens, right? Like, you know, incarcerated people will be sort of informal uh, informants, so to speak, and and incarcerated informants, whatever the word is. And they will use it to their advantage towards someone else's case to get an early release from prison or some kind of benefit with their sentence. However... Before sentencing, (laughs) yeah, that's the sort of Mm -hmm. street term you would say. Yes, that's right. The defense found a letter that Clifford had written before the trial to another prisoner, encouraging the recipient of the letter to also testify that he'd heard Keith admit to the murder as it would help Clifford receive, are you ready for it? A reduced sentence. So With this evidence, the defense moved for a new trial on the grounds that Caps had attempted to fabricate testimony in exchange for a lesser sentence, but the motion was denied, which I find completely bizarre, honestly. Me too. Well, on May 18th, 1995, Keith and Jeffrey were convicted and sentenced to life in prison. In 2009, however, so 14 years later, the Innocence Project won him up babes, and the Kentucky mm-hmm. Innocence Project got involved. And in 2013, the court allowed the organizations to move forward with DNA testing the evidence. Thank God. Because, by the way, there is no DNA evidence in this case yet that involves Keith or Jeffrey that we know of. So Right. I, or like even Rhonda's fingerprint. It's like that could have yeah. been from three fucking years ago. So it's like there's got to be mm-hmm. something here. In 2014, the Harris found on Rhonda's body were tested it was determined that none of them belonged to oh Rhonda Keith or Jeffrey oh it was also God. confirmed that it was in fact Keith's blood on the handkerchief found with a chant with a chalice in his home so I'm sure he was telling the truth about him breaking the chalice breaking and the his, chalice and his hand you know was cut open in 2015 the defense team the defense team moved for a new trial based on new DNA evidence uncovered by the Innocence Project woohoo the defense also <laughs> presented to the court new evidence that Detective Handy <laughs> the officer who had interviewed the two men and obtained Keith's confession had provided false oh. testimony in another case. Very oh, wow. Handy had given testimony that Edwin Chandler, who was also later exonerated, had confessed oh, wow. to a crime when in reality, the incriminating statements had originally come from Handy himself. This is, oh, guy, this is a guy that we call a fuck, fuck face. This is the type of guy we call that. <laughs> Just reiterating for technical term. It's technical a technical term. That's a scientific terms. neuroscience. That's term. a neuroscience. That's a term, neuroscience guys. term. It's it's too above you guys. You guys wouldn't yeah, understand that. We don't term. even yeah. get it. No, yeah. I'll explain it later. But on July fourteenth, twenty sixteen, the court granted the motion and vacated Keith and Jeffrey's convictions, determining that the defendants had been excluded from the only physical evidence used to link them to Rhonda's murder. <sighs> the court also stated that the two men had been convicted based on false evidence, false arguments, and that Handy's false 
testimony in the Edward Chandler case needed to be criminally investigated. I want to fucking scream right now. I'm I'm just just happy that the Innocence Project exists for this reason. Of course. The the judge stated that Keith and Jeffrey were convicted based, quote, in part on suppositions that we now know to be fundamentally false and material. Uh, The motion for a new trial was granted. Oh, fucking great. Glad to hear that. So in August of 2016, the defendants were released on bail in September 2016, the two were reindicted on the charge of kidnapping Rhonda, however, oh, which, you know, which, of course, is a separate thing from, you know, what's going on in their original trials here. In 2017, Jeffrey and Keith filed a lawsuit against Meade County, the city of Louisville and the and Detective Handy, which was put on hold pending the close of their case in January 2018. Uh, a court dismissed the new charges, calling them the result of vindictive prosecution and retaliation on the part of the prosecution for the defendants winning a new trial. So this is basically like the court is saying, oh, you're just pissed off that we found out that you guys were fucking up and doing giving false statements. Nice try. No, we're not going to go ahead and, uh, you know, just go through with a new trial because that makes no fucking sense. Right. And unfortunately, so, a lot of this still happens today, by the way. Of course. Yeah, this is yeah. only a couple years ago. On February 26, 2018, the new charges against against Keith and Jeffrey were dismissed. And just a few days later, on February 28th, Detective Handy decided he was going to retire. Oh, so good for him. Live a nice God. life. I'm going to get into my thoughts about this in a second as we wrap up this crazy case. But then in March of 2018, the Louisville Metro Council requested that the attorney general appoint a special investigation into Detective Handy for any criminal activity or wrongdoing on his part during his involvement with the Chandler case. And by the way, how about any single other case that he may have ever been a part of? Let's do that, too. In September 2018, Detective Handy was indicted on counts of perjury, giving false testimony against Edwin Chandler, and tampering with evidence. Mm. He attempted to plead guilty in June of 2020, but the plea was rejected by the court. He is, which is, I don't know why that would be, but he is slated for trial in May of this year, 2021. And I'm so fucking pissed that I'm going to make sure we give an update to this case by May or June of this year, because this type of shit just really fucking irks me, if you can't tell. Yeah, I will say, if, I'm so sorry, go ahead. No, go, no. Megan, go, Megan. Go ahead. Oh, it might be a good thing. I don't know the details of Handy's situation, mm-hmm. but it could have been that he he tried to make a plea um, in exchange for, like, a lesser sentence. Yeah, yeah. And the court denied it because yeah. he's obviously <laughs> fucked up a lot of people's lives yeah. with the way he conducted himself. So it could have been that they wanted it on the record. That makes I hope sense. That's what it is. That probably is what happened. And I mean, by the way... Yeah, I'm sorry. My last little thought here is like, I would, I'm the type of person that I would love for all of the people that he had sentenced, combine all of their original sentencings and sentence him to all of those years. Because it's not just, even if it was a couple days or a whole lifetime, it's such an injustice to mess up and fuck with somebody's life like that. God only knows if these people were able to get jobs and sustain them, you know, their own lives after getting out after what was it? 14 years or something like that. It just really, really, we only get one life, you know, YOLO. You only live once. And, (laughs) you know, for lack of a better term, by the way, that's also, 
That's it's also, also a neuroscience. Term. It's a neuroscience it term. YOLO. Megan doesn't um, understand it. We'll have to explain it later. We'll Again, have to talk to her after. get these terms. It's upsetting. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is like, yes. I mean, yeah. the thing is, is that like, not only are you wasting people's livelihoods here, but you're fucking up their families. You're fucking up their job process. You're fucking up their mental health. Like, yeah, exactly. There's such a domino effect of the things that happen now. And I got to say, in a lot of things in media, even today, and, and you know, mm-hmm. are very much so people have no problem convicting a person because it fits their their narratives of what they feel as opposed to actually looking at the evidence and that happens on every side of the aisle here and i think it just this is exactly this is a perfect example so thank you megan of why i believe in the innocence project because definitely a lot of these cases and I, i can't say a specific number here because we'll never maybe know the specific number here but you know a lot of cases are tried and found guilty based on feelings uh, and not necessarily based oh, yeah. on evidence because it fits their narrative. And also these police and investigators, they get praised for solving cases and, yeah. and as opposed to find, mm-hmm. as opposed to convicting the right person, they get praised for the conviction. And that, that entire narrative yeah. is an example here of why that's fucking stupid and it wrecks people's lives. And I just hope that we can learn from this case and the courts and the police and even the audience that gets to listen and watch along become smarter because of it, because these things yeah. happen way too often. I think that's what draws so many of us to this genre. You know, we want to learn about yeah. it and, you know, sort of arm ourselves with more information. But, and to your point too, beyond just convicting over feelings, they're convicting over improvable evidence. So, you know, the Innocence Project, and Darren, I'm sure you can even speak more to this than what I can, than what I know, but so much of the Innocence Project's success are these kind of cases that happened from like the 70s to the 90s, where DNA, um, testing was just not what it is today. And so they go back and they have the evidence and they can test it. And they're like, Oh, by the way, none of that hair belongs to any of those people. And like, there's no way to link them to the crime. Right. You know? And but it's just like, because they found a chalice. Yeah. With blood in, on it. That they couldn't tell it, was they were his. Like, oh, you know, you worship Satan. Therefore this, that, and the other thing. It's just, there's <laughs> so many crazy. narratives out there where you have one thing in your mind and then all these other assumptions without really having any evidence for it. And yeah, it's exactly. Just, I yeah. have a particular problem with that, and and I'm glad that uh, Megan. Thank you so much for the research yes, this week. Yes, great and, show, Megan. And just bringing bringing this case to light, considering the fact that we actually might be able to get an update on this in oh uh, hell a yeah. month or two. So we're definitely going to be uh, keeping on the lookout for this. If you guys have any similar cases or you want to discuss this case, absolutely contribute in our Facebook group. You can certainly mm-hmm. tweet us, Instagram us at Carpe Jack. Uh, uh, Carpe Jaren at Carpe Darren <laughs> at Jay Thrasher. Uh, Megan, what's what? And it's F off Meg, if I'm F correct, off right? Meg. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, F off Meg. Yes, which is accurate, you know, because again, Satan, which is so spelled it, out E F F. Yes, it is phonetic for sure. Let's end on a positive note here, right, and get to some listener shout outs. That's right. So Caitlin in our Facebook group commented about us opening applications for listeners to be a guest on the show. She says, ha ha ha, I've got to talk to Darren Carp on one of the Instagram lives back this past summer, and I fangirled so hard, my voice shook, so I'd be horrible with a recording. Darren, do you remember <laughs> this moment? And by the way, Caitlin, don't be... Listen, it's good that you're shook. Our show is called Shaken and Disturbed. However... um, 
this is for everyone. Please don't be nervous. We are just your friends. Like you have no reason to be nervous. But Darren, do you remember this moment? I don't really. Um, I don't. But that's probably because I was just so in awe of your voice that I just probably <laughs> freaked out myself. So I. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, no, don't forget it. I'm bringing it full circle here. Um, <laughs> but thank you, Caitlin, so much for that. I, I'm flattered. And Mackenzie was also excited about this, saying, "Ah, I would love to be on the show. I've been a listener since." currently and you both inspired me to create my own true crime oh. podcast you guys are the wow. best good Ooh. job Mackenzie. you can share uh, share that with us because i'm sure everyone else would want to know and uh we're always here to support every yeah. every podcast we possibly can in fact megan you have a podcast to promote <laughs> yeah how's it going <laughs> megan it's going really well, actually. We just um, published our 22nd episode Dang. today. So we're getting there. It's yeah. called Rocky Talkie Podcast. If you're a Rocky Horror nerd like I am <laughs> and you want to know about things going on in that community, check us out. It's very niche, but I know that some of our listeners are into it. I was going to say, yeah, there was a little bit of a reaction and I'm sure people would be interested. That's great. I'm really happy to hear it's doing well. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys um, like? Do you guys have any like Dungeon and Dragons games before you record? Any broken chalices that we need to be aware yeah. of before we listen to this? Are we gonna start worshiping the devil before this? Just yeah, give what? disclaimers because we don't want to be responsible <laughs> for anything, Megan. Um, no D and D games yet. If you're interested in satanic worship, please go do your own research. <laughs> yes, they're not bad people. Don't bring it to <laughs> Megan, is what she's saying. Yes, um, yes, and everyone who can. Sign up as a super yeah. fan tier on Patreon, by the way, to be a guest on our show, patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed. I forgot to say that, John. Or link in our show notes, by the way, if you want to click always, it there. Always, and always, don't always. forget, did you already say, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Shaken and Disturbed wherever you listen to podcasts, Aaron? You I, might have I, said that. I didn't, but you just said it so Yay! Sul- you just said it so sultry. So We it, obviously need that for you. Yeah. We need you to be doing, I'm going to isolate your audio like a whole oh, great. thing, and we're going to just tag that at the end of every show where you sound like the Crypt Keeper. You know, Megan hasn't invited me to come on her podcast yet with that voice, and I feel a little slighted. I'm not going to take it personally, but like just <laughs> throwing it out there that I feel like there's yeah, know, a little hatred, you know, a little passive uh, aggressiveness. I'm going to send you an email today. We're going to schedule something. Oh, great. And uh, oh, great. Great, please, great, 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 you are great. welcome on our show anytime, mm. especially if you do that voice. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. Of course. On again. This is a lot of fun. I love getting to talk about, especially cases like this that are. Yeah. It, like it's, it's good to bring light. I think yes. to this stuff. Yes. Just, well, Megan, you. we also love you. It's not just that you're a great researcher. We just love you. Um, oh, love you. Megan, maybe. thank you for joining us. Go ahead. Darren. Yes. Sorry. I was going to say, maybe off. Aaron can always pop on to say hi. One of oh, these times. Megan's husband. Uh, yes. You never know. We haven't heard his voice. It could sound like my tales from the crypt Yoda voice. <laughs> we don't know, but he's always willing to come say hi. Uh, and yes, Megan, thank you so much for this week. And for all of you out there, we will definitely see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.